Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our Grassroots Government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number five of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm Kerry Martin, your host, and we've worked hard to have another great podcast lined up for you this week. Now, we did not do a podcast last week. I decided at the last minute to take the week off. My son, Cody, my oldest son, graduated from LSU this past Saturday. That wasn't really the problem. The problem was that we were hosting a party for him at our house following the graduation. And about midweek, my wife came up with a long list of stuff that had to be done around this house before she could host a party for my son. So I ended up with a severe honeydew list at the end of last week, and uh, the podcast just got put on the back burner. But we're back and ready to go this week with a great lineup of guests for you. I also want to take this opportunity just to say thank you. We've put out a month's worth of podcasts, and the response has been absolutely tremendous. I've heard from a lot of you who listen. Uh, I've gotten your thanks for putting uh, the work into doing this, and I appreciate how much you get out of it. You know, when we all get up in the morning, we want to do work that matters. We, We want our life to contribute. We want to help people as much as we can. We want to know that the work we're doing is making a difference. And when I hear back from you about how much you appreciate this podcast, I just can't tell you how much that means to me. I'm glad to know that what I'm doing is helping you as a farmer, a rancher, or an agriculture professional to be informed and to be better at what you do. Uh, That's why I'm here. I'm here to serve Louisiana agriculture. It is my privilege to do that, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate the feedback I've gotten over the last month. It it just means the world to me. Well, having said that, it's time to get this thing rolling, and we're going to kick it off right now with news headlines. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The House of Representatives says no to the Farm Bill. The House version of the Farm Bill went up for a vote Friday morning and went down to defeat as 30 Republicans joined 183 Democrats to defeat the bill 198 to 213. 
House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway could have passed the bill with only Republican votes, but House leadership was unable to deal with the Freedom Caucus's demands for a vote on unrelated immigration issues, and that helped lead most of the 30 Republicans to oppose final passage. Louisiana Congressman Ralph Abraham sits on the House Agriculture Committee. He released a statement following the vote saying those who voted no turned their backs on President Trump and the American farmer. Abraham said they need to get on board so we can pass this bill that's critical to the success of American agriculture. It's unclear at this point when the farm bill might be brought up for reconsideration. The farm bill may have seen its first defeat, but the attacks on the U.S. sugar program will continue. To talk about that, we go to Charlie Schudmack. He is president of the American Sugarcane League. And Charlie, I know that your industry has been gearing up for this for quite a while. We've been expecting the attacks to come as they do every time we debate a farm bill. That's correct. Uh, We're not seeking any changes in the sugar program and the farm bill. It's the same program we've had for the last three bills. We're just trying to keep the status quo. It's a great program for America. It costs the taxpayers no money, but uh, we always come under attack from the sugar users and big candy companies. I want to think they can buy sugar cheaper from foreign countries where it's subsidized. Well, Charlie, one of the reasons that, of course, I know that you and your organization and everyone in the industry wants to protect that program is that sugar is big business in Louisiana and very important to the economies of a lot of towns across south and central Louisiana. That's right. It's uh, it's over 400,000 acres and rows and Louisiana. It's, uh, it affects a lot of rural communities. We have 11 large sugar mills in the in the state that provide a lot of jobs along with all the farms and, and all the trickle-down economics. Well, and speaking of that, Charlie, you're not a sugar farmer. You actually work in the industry. You're chief operating officer of the Cora Texas Mill in White Castle, and you have just as much interest in protecting this industry uh, as uh, sugarcane farmers do. Absolutely. We're all working off the same pound of sugar, revenue from the same pound of sugar to make our operations work. So the more efficient we can be, the the better sugar market we have. It's the same market that that we share with the the growers. I saw a news release recently, Charlie, where the American Sugarcane League signed on to a letter to congressional members urging them to reject any farm bill amendments that could hurt America's farming families. Uh, Tell me about that letter and that process and how that moved forward. Yes, we're asking all congressional members to reject any anti-sugar policies like the Fox Amendment, along with any amendments that change the farm bill to the detriment of American farmers. And uh, we've got a strong coalition from cotton, many other agricultural commodities. It's uh, If we all become divided, they'll certainly use that division to undermine the entire farm bill. So we, we all have to stick together. Charlie, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know your time is very precious right now. I want our listeners to know that I am talking to Charlie from the hospital. Both of his sons have been in intensive care with pneumonia for the last several days. And Charlie, I understand they've gotten out of intensive care now, and and it looks like they're doing better, right? That's right. Thank you. Thank you. And thank everyone for all their prayers. And it's working. They're, They're getting better. Charlie Schudmack, he is president of the American Sugarcane League and chief operating officer of the Cora Texas Sugar Mill in White Castle, Louisiana. Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins took to the House floor this week to defend the U.S. sugar program. I have the honor of representing southwest Louisiana, where sugar contributes $3.5 billion to our state economy annually and employs over 16,000 hardworking working 
Louisiana citizens. Higgins says it's vital to protect the 200-year heritage of producing sugar in Louisiana. Mr. Speaker, these men and women have come into their lives embracing the heritage and hard work of their mothers, their fathers, their grandmothers, their grandfathers. For generations, by the toil of their labor, the sweat of their brow, they've tilled the soil and raised sugar. We must protect the future of American sugar and American sugar farm families. Louisiana farmers are getting a record low percentage of the food dollar. Farmers have always gotten a very low percentage of the food dollar, with the majority of it going to processing and marketing. But a recent report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture shows that the amount going to farmers hit a record low in March. LSU Ag Center economist Kurt Guidry. Anytime that commodity gets transformed, whether it be simply just moving it from point A to point B, uh, being processed, being having things added to it, it comes at a cost. And that cost, uh, therefore, increases the total, total amount that a consumer has to spend on that food dollar. And adding insult to injury is the fact that prices farmers receive for their crops probably won't improve anytime soon. Wet, cool conditions this spring have North Louisiana rice farmers playing catch-up and getting their fields planted and getting their crops up and growing. Craig Gotro with the LSU Ag Center has more. In North Louisiana, good weather is finally allowing rice farmers to get in their fields and plant their crops. Jake Toops is the seed manager for a rice operation that plants 7,500 acres in North Louisiana. Wet weather caused a late start, but recent conditions have allowed planting to proceed at a rapid pace. Cool weather in the northern part of the state has also slowed growth. It slowed it down. Probably the rice we plant now is going to catch up to the rice we planted two and a half weeks ago. Anticipated dry conditions will allow more planting, and warmer temperatures will spur growth. Farmers in North Louisiana are expected to finish planting their crops by mid-May. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gotro reporting. A wet spring has turned dry very quickly across Louisiana, and that has put a stop to soybean planting in many areas of the state. The latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition report shows that soybean planting was on schedule as of last week, but reports from across the state show that farmers have put the brakes on planting beans, and other crops that are already in the ground are in bad need of a rain. Here's how some of the numbers shape up in the report. Soybean planting now 88% done, sorghum planting 91% done, sweet potatoes now 24% planted, and the winter wheat crop is all headed, 99% of the crop headed with 90% coloring. Sugarcane crop condition ratings, 3% excellent, 37% good, 50% fair, and 10% poor to very poor. The Louisiana cotton crop seems to be handling the dry conditions across the state so far, but the corn crop is feeling the effects. Don Molino has more. Louisiana producers have planted an awful lot of corn this season across the state. That's the good news. The bad news from LSU Ag Center Extension Service Corn Specialist, Dr. Dan Frommy at the Dingley Research Station just south of Alexandria. The corn crop this year has various uh, ages, simply because of all the uh, cold, wet weather during uh, March. We have a lot of corn that, that was planted in April, so uh, hadn't been a really good corn year so far. And then also, the last few weeks have turned off warm and dry and uh, we're seeing a lot of corn being irrigated at this time. And as you drive across the state, too, where uh, you don't have any irrigation, we're uh, very concerned about some of the corn already starting to roll up and uh, wilt uh, in the middle of the day. So right now, not too optimistic about the corn crop. Uh, we sure could use a rain, and uh, we'll just keep our fingers crossed. 
Frommy also serves as a state cotton specialist. And about that crop, he says this has been a great year for planting cotton in Louisiana. As of May 1st, things were looking really good. We went from a cold spring, it seems like, to summer, all in a matter of a couple of days. Starting around May 1st, as of now, uh, we've had a, a significant amount of cotton that has been planted across the state of Louisiana. What has been planted in the last two weeks is really looking good. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better situation at this time. did have some cotton planted in April, but as you well know, uh, remember back then, it was a little bit on the cool side and wet. Some of that cotton had to be replanted. With that said, uh, we do have a significant amount of the cotton crop planted. What remains to be planted, which is very little at this time, uh, the reason it hadn't been planted is because of dry soil conditions. It's always amazing how uh, quick we can go from being uh, too wet too dry here in Louisiana. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Governor John Bell Edwards recently signed 20 bills from the 2018 legislative session into law. Three of those bills affect Louisiana agriculture. Senate Bill 167 recreates the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. House Bill 313 provides for the frequency of meetings of the Louisiana Agricultural Commodities Commission. And House Bill 325 establishes a permit fee for milk, dairy farms, and milk processing plants. About 200 Louisiana FFA members recently visited the Louisiana State Capitol to learn more about the legislative process and grow their leadership skills. This marks the 20th year that members of the FFA walk the halls where new state laws are born. Louisiana FFA President Isabel Oakley says visits like this are vital for both legislators and students. It's really important as FFA members and those in ag ed classes to actually get out of the classroom and take advantage of opportunities like these so that senators and representatives can hear our story and see why it is important and relevant that ag ed stays in the classroom for many years and that students have the chance to see that they can make a difference and that their stories and do matter. And speaking of the legislature, grassroots government is up next. We head to the state capitol to talk with Joe Mapes. He's a lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. We'll get an update on all the happenings at the state capitol in Baton Rouge. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And we head to the state capitol to talk with Joe Mapes. Joe is lobbyist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joe, I, I, I am kind of at a loss of what questions to ask you right now because I know things are very hairy, very contentious down at the capitol right now. What is the attitude? I know we even had a couple of legislators that got into a fist fight this week. How bad are things down there right now? Well, you know, the running joke is, Carrie, that 
that we were all in the bar the other night and a legislative session broke out, you know? <laughs> and so that's how the, that's what the feeling is like in the building. Uh, before that fight broke out and since then, it's just a really tense feeling, compressed schedule. We're trying to get out early, uh, you know, to, to go into a special session. We'll talk about that in a second. But what I'd like to tell you, Kerry, that amidst all of this turmoil and, and negative uh, uh, feelings in the building, uh, we have some good news when it comes to Farm Bureau and Agriculture. The Farm Bureau Women's Committee came this week and spent a, a morning and part of the afternoon with us. Met with Mike Strain and his lovely wife, Commissioner Strain's wife, Susan Strain, and uh, met with, uh, you know, uh, legislators. And we brought them back. They met their senators and reps and uh, young farmers and ran ranchers came and did the same thing the next day and met with the governor. And, and, and Carrie, this is what the grassroots organization that Farm Bureau uh, is all about. That's what we are. Participation, uh, coming up there, asking them questions, the legislators telling them what's on our mind and putting putting the legislative body on notice that Farm Bureau Agriculture is paying attention. There is definitely a lot to pay attention to right now. I guess you mentioned the special session. The governor has called a special session for next week. Uh, am I correct in assuming now that there's just a big rush to get this regular session over with so that we can be ready for Tuesday? You are correct, and it's been that way for some time now. Uh, it's been unclear as to whether we were going to adjourn, uh, but now it's, it's become clear in the past week or so since that's happened, the time has gotten even more compressed. And uh, yes, it looks like we're going to be able to finish by sometime tonight, take tomorrow and Sunday off and Monday, come back for the Republican stall, which is a, a Republican fundraiser Monday night and go back into a special session Tuesday, carry for 14 days where the, the governor told the young farmers and ranchers in his press office that what he would like to do is reinstate a half penny of the current fifth penny of sales tax. That whole penny was supposed to come off on June 30th, but that would create revenue for the governor and the state right now. And he says he wants to clean the other four pennies in that 14-day period. Uh, that's going to be a very difficult, that's a heavy lift. It's going to be a difficult task uh, to clean four pennies. Uh, and it's going to be a difficult task to reinstate a half penny of the sales tax. So I think what we're fixing to see is a lot of uh, wailing and gnashing of the teeth in this 14-day period, Gary. When you talk about cleaning pennies, Joe, will that affect agricultural tax exemptions? Well, fortunately, no, not this time with the governor. And I'm glad you asked that question because the governor made a commitment to the whole group of the young farmers and ranchers that he is going to help preserve uh, agriculture's current uh, situation so that we remain, Louisiana agriculture remains competitive in the world market. And so when you're talking about cleaning pennies, yes, you're talking about removing exemptions like the ones that agriculture does have on inputs, for example. Um, but this time we have a commitment to not touch agricultural exemptions. At the same time, all other businesses and industries uh, are going to be affected uh, most. And it's going to be, I'm going to predict all out thermonuclear warfare in about a 14 day period, Karen. Wow. Well, Joe, outside of the budget, uh, we've dealt with a lot of other bills as well. Do you feel like that agriculture has had a fairly successful session putting the budget aside? Well, you know, I travel the state, as you know, and, and people ask me all the time. They say, Joe, how's things going down there in Baton Rouge at the Capitol? I go, for us? Me? Going very well. For you, Louisiana citizen, not so good. Agriculture has had an excellent session, uh, Carrie, and, and, and I'm proud to say it. And there's, there, there still is a lot of support for agriculture in the, in the legislature. 
there was a bill the other day that would have increased truck permit fees uh, dramatically, and Farm Bureau was not at the table for those negotiations of this piece of legislation. And uh, we were able to, to kill that bill on the House floor with it needed 70 votes and the, and the bill only got 43 votes. And that's with all the other stakeholders jumping ship and cutting their other own deal. The bill was aimed directly at agriculture, Kerry. And uh, we stood shoulder to shoulder with the American Sugar League, fought that bill, and they only got 43 votes out of a needed 70. So, yes, agriculture's had a very good session. We passed a couple of things and killed a whole bunch of stuff that would have done great damage to Farm Bureau and agriculture in rural Louisiana. Well, Joe, I tell you what, we'll talk again here over the next couple of weeks when this special session gets started up. I'd love to hear how things are going down there. And I look forward to talking to you, Kerry. Thank you so much. Joe Mapes, lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation from the state capitol. Coming up next, it's time to go out in the field. We go up to northwest Louisiana to talk with Adam Karn of Caddo Parish. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at lafarmbureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And we go out in the field up to Caddo Parish in northwest Louisiana to talk to Adam Karn. And how you doing today, Adam? I'm doing great, Kerry. How about you? I am doing great. First, uh, let's tell folks a little bit about yourself. You own Precision Bailing LLC. You do a lot of work with hay. Tell me about your company and what you guys do. We do a lot of work with hay. Um, you know, we have peaked out before around 40,000, 50,000 small squares a year. We do several thousand round bales a year. We supply hay to large farms, co-ops, uh, feed stores, training stables. Uh, we're a wholesaler. Uh, we don't do a lot of uh, outside individual sales, but we, we're real big in the wholesale market. We take care of a lot of different people, and uh, we we do a lot of a um, lot of different varieties. We've done a little wheat straw. We've done erosion control, but we uh, we specialize in horse hay, uh, Bermuda. Um, we do a lot of fertilizing, a lot of spraying, uh, really put a lot of time and effort into our hay. Uh, one of the things that kind of stands us out apart from the rest of the crowd is that we don't always bail our square bales in the field. Um, a lot of people don't know it, but we have a machine that's set up in a big building over here, and we can process round bales, large square bales, into those small square bales that you see in the feed stores. And so we are able to actually produce more than what we can actually grow here. And so it's really helped us. It helps us during times of drought, during times of high demand, and it helps us to be able to produce hay and sell hay sometimes when we otherwise 
wouldn't be able to. And so it really helped us grow a lot by being able to process those larger bales. It helps us get in and out of the fields a lot faster. Instead of doing 20 acres a day, now we can do 50, 60 acres a day. And uh, if we're pressed for time or trying to outrun a rain, we can get it all packaged up, get it in the barn, and we can kind of process it at our own uh, leisure. Well, Adam, speaking of outrunning rain, uh, it has been one rainy, rainy spring, and it's turned really dry really quick. Uh, just typical crazy Louisiana weather. How has that affected uh, hay production so far this year for you? It's definitely been crazy up here as far as the rain. We um, we were sitting around the table up there hell in a chemical the other day, and, and I was joking around with the salesman, and I said, hey, weren't we just complaining about being too wet and too cool here, you know, like two or three weeks ago? And, and now we're begging for rain and complaining about it being too hot. Um, it definitely uh, put a hurt on the hay industry up here a little bit because it really kind of slowed things down with those cooler, you know, those cooler nights that we had early on in the spring. A lot of the fields that, you know, would be pretty thick and overgrown right now are just really now started growing. And um, now that we're, we're getting started a little bit, temperatures are warming up, we're getting in the fields, we're getting some hay baled. Now it's turned off dry, and these fields just aren't bouncing back as fast as what they normally would. And I'm having to put off a couple of customers this year. Uh, whenever I say put them off, you know, just letting them know that we're kind of behind schedule where we normally would be. Normally we're putting out a lot of Bermuda, and we're just now getting the ryegrass off the fields, and the Bermuda is just now really starting to grow. So it's kind of a lot different than what we've seen in the past, and it's, it's just really putting a strain on the whole industry. Do you cut a lot of ryegrass hay in the spring adam well traditionally i haven't but this year there was a real shortage of hay throughout the winter you know there was uh there was a lot of problems down in south texas last year because of the hurricane and the flooding that happened down around houston so we really saw a um, a lot a large loss of hay supply a lot of fields went underwater. A lot of fields weren't able to be cut, and so that really hurt their hay supply down south. Well, what they do is their nearest place to find hay then is going to be East Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas. And so they came to this area to shift hay back down to Texas. Well, then that put a strain on our hay supply. And then we had uh, what I would consider an unusually cold winter. We haven't really had a winter as cold as what we did this year in a long time. And so then our livestock started going through hail at a faster rate than they usually do. And so we ended up at the end of this winter, and most people had no carryover supply whatsoever. So now you look at it coming into this year, and you have these real low supplies. You know, the yields are... They're decent right now, but we're not seeing a lot of bounce back on the current crops. So it just is, um, it's really straining things up here. I know you got a lot of neighbors around you, Adam, that are row crop farmers. Are you hearing from them on how they're handling this weather situation right now? Has this dry spell, eh, does it have them maybe a little bit worried right now? It really depends on what you're growing, I guess. Uh, as far as uh, corn goes, uh, they're really needing the rain bad right now one of the farms that i do a lot of work with lynn plantation up here we started irrigating some of the corn up in this area and i've seen a lot of neighbors doing the same thing uh i've heard pretty positive things about the cotton right now because it's it's digging down the roots are getting deep on it searching for that water so it's trying to establish a good root base i mean it could use a little bit of a shot of water like everything does but 
the cotton will do a little better than what the corn does and uh you know it's still a little bit early to have a real good forecast on any kind of beans at this point adam i hear that you and your wife are expecting your first child congratulations on that definitely an exciting time for you Right. I, exciting could probably be one word for it. Um, like I said, on, on one hand, I'm really excited about it. The other the other side, I'm kind of terrified of it. Um, you know, this is our first child, and so we're going into this kind of blind, obviously. Uh, I guess anybody with a first child has those kind of jitters. And fortunately, you know, we're expecting to have uh, it's a baby boy in September. And uh, I told my wife, I said, she planned that one just about perfectly because it's probably going to drop about the first week of cotton harvest. So, um, you sure you're blaming I'm, that one on her? Well, I got to blame it on somebody, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you timed uh, that one just right. I sure did. You know, and I, I get very little sleep there in cotton harvest. I pick most of the cotton up here for the lens, and I think we're going to get some custom guys in here to help with it. This year, we're doing a little over 3,000 acres this year. Um, but the last few years, we picked a little over 2,000 acres with one picker. So I get very little sleep during that time of the year anyway. And I'm also the one defoliating a lot of that cotton, too. And so I'm you know, this is, I'm going to be like a zombie, I'm sure, come, come September. That's Adam Karn with Precision Bailing LLC up in Caddo Parish in northwest Louisiana. Adam, thank you so much for joining us here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Sure thing. Anytime. Coming up next, it's time to dive into the markets. We'll talk to experts in both the grain and livestock markets who know a whole lot more about those markets than I do. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we go to Greg Fox. He's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, we have definitely had some action in the markets this week. Hey, first I want to ask you about the Chinese trade situation. I know a couple of weeks ago we had folks over in China this week, the Chinese were over here in the U.S. Uh, have we seen any changes in this Chinese trade situation that would affect the markets? We've seen quite a bit. We've come in on some mornings where they said, well, the talks aren't going as well as they thought, and we've seen the markets go down. Uh, we came in today, and it looks like China is kind of dropping those anti-dumping duties on the Milo that we've heard about part of the year. And so it looks like some of those Milo tariffs are going to go away. So that's been really positive to our grain markets. Greg, when we look at the markets this week, we've seen a lot of movement in the action. Soybean market was hit really hard yesterday. What was behind that? Reports come out last week. It just looks like we're still going to have plenty of soybeans. You know, the U.S., we're not behind on planting. 
uh, Argentina, they did lower their production and they raised Brazil's, but we still have plenty of beans. So nobody's really overly concerned about running out. And exports are not where they expected them to be. So, you know, we're just not chewing up the supply like USDA had kind of penciled in for us. Well, you know, we said the same thing about the corn market over the last several weeks. We just got a lot of corn out there. But, you know, we still see this corn market hanging in there above four bucks. And uh, here on Friday, as we're talking, we're up about seven cents on this thing. So is it surprising that we're seeing the strength that we're seeing in the corn market right now? A little bit when you look at what U.S. is doing. You know, we have plenty of stocks in the U.S. and we're not behind on corn planting in the Midwest. Some areas are, but nationally we're fine. You go back to South America, which you don't hear a whole lot of talk about in, in the news, but their corn is suffering both Argentina and Brazil. So you're seeing some supplies there that's not going to be available for export. So that could be beneficial for our corn farmers here a little bit later down the road when you start to see some corn sales really start to tack on the books. It's going to come from the U.S. because those guys are just aren't going to have it. Speaking of corn suffering, uh, you know, it's getting really dry here in Louisiana. What are you hearing from the growers that you talk to? Are we getting into a situation where we're going to have some problems out of this dry weather with the corn crop right now? Uh, nobody's really concerned yet as far as for stress. And uh, I know a lot of folks need some rain so they can finish their bean planting. But uh, I think the corn got in early enough that a lot of that rain that we went through before bean planting could have been adequate. You know, a lot of folks still have pivots and irrigation available to them. So nobody's concerned yet about what's in the ground. They want to get finished. But yeah, if we continue to see some of this dry weather, it's going to start to be a concern. Well, you mentioned bean planting and a problem with dry weather. How much of a problem is that becoming uh, in getting the bean crop wrapped up in the ground? Um, we're Probably 90%, I think, planted from some of the last USDA members that I saw. And I don't know anybody that's planted this week unless they were south of I-10 in the Lafayette area. I know they caught some rains a couple of days this week. But overall, people are they're sitting and waiting now for some rain so they can get finished. Greg, looking at the wheat market, we're still above $5, and as we talk today, we're up anywhere 15 to $0.17, cents, and wheat harvest is getting underway. Kind of strange to see this market with a lot of strength heading into harvest. Yeah, you know, we, we've got some guys that have actually cut some wheat, and so we're seeing excellent quality. 63 test weight, 62 test weight consistently. No um, gr- other great issues that are, are taking away any money from those few guys that have started. Uh, wheat's funny. It, it's just all over the place. You know, it, it'll trade 17 cents better today, and it'll lose 17 cents on Monday. Um, I think there is some concerns about some wheat globally. Uh, Russia, maybe Australia has had, Australia's had a little bit of issues with some of their wheat crop uh, weather-wise. So when you start seeing concerns globally on wheat, that really helps our trade, really helps our wheat markets rally, and kind of benefits us. Greg Fox, Grain Marketing Specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Appreciate it, Greg. Thanks a lot. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Let's take a quick look at how the markets wrapped up on Friday. Although the soybean market did lose a lot of ground during the week, we finished on a higher note Friday. July beans up three and a half, nine ninety eight and a half. November soybeans up four cents. 1008 and a quarter. A strong close in the corn market. July corn up seven and a quarter, 402 and a half. New crop September corn up seven and a half, 411 a bushel. Big jump in the wheat market with new crop July wheat up 20 and three quarters to close the week at 518 and a quarter. We saw a drop off in rough rice. July rice down 17 and a half, 1232 and a half. September rice down 13 cents, 1184 a hundredweight. 
Good jump in the cotton market Friday. July cotton up 152 points, 86.55, while new crop December cotton was up 98, 82.43. July sugar finished unchanged at 24.55 cents. Now let's switch over to the cattle market where we talk with Dave Foster. Dave is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana and former cattle market reporter here in Louisiana for many years. And Dave, wanted to talk cattle markets with you today. First, I want to ask you, have you been keeping an eye on the Louisiana livestock auction reports over the last couple of weeks? And have you seen anything in those reports to talk about? Yes, sir, I have, Kerry. And uh, I've been getting some calls. It started probably, oh, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess, with the uh, people worried about this market's getting cheaper and getting cheaper. And part of it is due to uh, the market maybe is a little bit cheaper, but uh, I think I touched on it a little bit last week that more and more we're seeing a bigger percentage of, of supply of our feeder cattle coming to market than our new crop balling calves. And so they're unweaned, they're fleshy. And so for those calves, uh, they're destined to go to grass somewhere, summer grass. And so, you know, that compensatory gain they don't get like they get for a thin flesh kind of a cattle. So that's the biggest news I think that's happening in the marketplace. I've seen uh, an increase in the receipts, uh, have come up in the last two weeks for sure. Uh, the prices uh, continue to go down. But when you look at that, again, I think it's more of a situation of a supply uh, as opposed to just a, a really weaker market. Because you look at reports that are saying, you know, 2 to $10 lower and that sort of thing. And, yeah, probably the, the $2 lower is those thin, uh, long yearlings, short yearlings as we call them. And then the $10 lower is probably those fleshy, balling calves. So that's probably the biggest thing that's happening. And that will, it'll, it'll right itself because in another couple of weeks, and we, certainly when we get into June uh, and July, the market will be full of those types of calves, of new crop calves. And so the market will adjust accordingly to those. And when the supply is, let's say, consists of 90% of those type of calves, uh, the buyers know what they're getting. Uh, they can't get uh, those uh, lighter weight calves going to grass anywhere, really, but the southeast. And so um, we'll be in a pretty good position, I believe. Normally what happens to us, if the grass is up in the northern state, they come in and they buy those calves uh, in June and July, and then the market kind of catches up with the rest of the world and goes south. But that's kind of where we are right now, I believe. Dave, I've been keeping an eye on the Fed cattle market, and this thing has been quite a roller coaster ride, and we've seen a big drop-off in Fed cattle prices this week. Uh, what have you seen in that market? Yeah, it's, again, a situation of the marketplace. Uh, we've been talking about this wall of cattle coming. Two things are happening, Kerry. One is, yes, there's a big supply of finished cattle ready to come out of the feedlots, and coupled with that, uh, these packers for the last month have been buying cattle out of the feedlots with anywhere from uh, – Oh, two weeks to 30-day delivery on them, which means, of course, uh, that they can pick them up any time during there. So they've really developed the cap of supply. So uh, what I'm saying is that packers have positioned themselves to get into a place where they've got lots of supply of cattle. And when you've got that kind of a scenario, then they pretty much are in control. The feeders have got to let them go because they're getting too big. And the packers... Uh, just push the price down, and there we have it. So 
The only positive side for the feeder right now is the fact that the basis between the, the cash market and the spot month of the futures market, which is June, is still pretty wide. So they, they're able to make up the difference in the lower cash prices in the futures market. So that's kind of where we are with the fat cattle market. Dave Foster, he is CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, always appreciate your insight. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Let's take a look at some of our Louisiana livestock auctions over the past week. As Dave mentioned, we are seeing lower prices at the Kinder Livestock Auction on Monday. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar sixty to two twenty a pound. Three to four weight steers a dollar forty to a dollar ninety. Four to five hundred pounders brought a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-five a pound. Five to six weight steers a dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty-four. While six to seven weight steers brought a dollar twenty to a dollar forty a pound. Bred cows range from four. $450 to $1250 a head. Cow calf pairs brought $700 to $1400 a pair. At the Red River Livestock Auction in Cachetta on Wednesday, two to three weight steers brought $1.45 to $1.70 a pound. Three to four hundred pounders, $1.37 to $1.67. Four to five weight steers, $1.35 to $1.79 a pound. Five to six hundred pounders brought a dollar thirty-one to a dollar fifty-nine, with six to seven weight steers bringing a dollar fourteen to a dollar forty-three. Cows range from three hundred sixty dollars to twelve hundred fifty a head. Cow-calf pairs brought four forty to fifteen hundred a pair. That's a look at the markets, and now it's time to look at what's happening in Louisiana agriculture over the next week. We'll do that when we look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. Next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have three events to talk about on the Louisiana Ag Calendar this week. Two of those are the same event in two different places. The LSU Ag Center has been hosting their market-ready workshops all over the state for the last several weeks. They have several more coming up. Two of those are this coming week. One is May 22nd. That's Tuesday in Oak Grove. The other is Thursday, May 24th. That market-ready workshop will be held in Shreveport. If you need more information on those market-ready workshops, you can check out the LSU 
LSU Ag Center's website, lsuagcenter.com. The other event we have coming up is on Friday, May 25th. The Louisiana Beef Industry Council will be holding their regular meeting on Friday, 9 o'clock in the morning at the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry's office in Baton Rouge. That meeting is open to Louisiana cattle producers. In fact, I've heard from several members of that council who really encourage cattle producers to attend the meeting so that you can see how your beef checkoff money is being spent here in Louisiana. So if you're in the area and would like to go by and observe that meeting, they definitely welcome you to come by and take a look and take a listen. Nine o'clock Friday morning at the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry's office in Baton Rouge. Well, that's a look at the ag calendar, and that puts the wraps on Episode 5 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Be sure to join us right back here next week. In the meantime, connect with us online, our website, voiceoflaag.org. All of the latest Louisiana ag news is on there, posted every weekday. And while you're there, subscribe to our daily e-newsletter called The Daily Voice. Also, connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter at Voice of LA Ag. That handle used on both accounts, Facebook and Twitter. We keep those updated as well every weekday with all of the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.